0: welcome to the path of revelation show i'm your host gabriel parker and this is where the culture meets scripture i'm just full today guys i'm excited about this show as as all the other shows i know i always start the show off talking about how excited i am but the joy of the lord is my strength i just got churchy on y'all the joy of the lord is my strength and, and, and I'm excited because I don't take it for granted. Each episode is an opportunity for me to share the gospel or edify and encourage believers in their walk with the Lord. And so my prayer is that anytime you tune in to this show, that you're encouraged, challenged, uplifted, and that these topics that I'm addressing, I pray that they are. Are are things that you can immediately apply in your life. And so I'm excited. I have a great show today. I'm going to be talking about the importance of knowing who you are. Who are you? You know, the importance of us as Christians, knowing who we are and the importance of knowing our identity in Christ. And the featured song for this episode is going to be by my brother Jay Will Music. It's gonna be his song, Who Are You, featuring Path of Revelations on Matthew Mitchell. And this song is off of Jay Will's latest album, God Knows My Art, My Heart. Excuse me, God Knows My Heart. Um, Jay Will also has a new album coming out this year. I don't we don't have a release date yet, but it's coming. I've heard a lot of songs on it, and it's fire. Also, Path of Revelation, we have a new project that's about to drop the end of May, early June. We don't even have a title yet, but I can tell you the music is slant, is amazing. It's bananas. It's crazy. It's lit. It's on fire. And so, listen, I'm, I'm just excited about this show. But moving on. So I've really been meditating and thinking about the previous episode, the specific, specifically the segment on self-love and I've been hearing a lot of positive feedback from that particular segment and a lot of you guys have been letting me know how it's been encouraging you and challenging you and I've really been meditating on this as it relates to our culture and I begin to think who is our greatest enemy a lot of times when we think about our enemy, we immediately think about the devil or we think about our haters. And so this, I want to talk about this really quickly. Who is your greatest enemy? And this is just a continuation. I believe this is a extension or continuation of the self-love conversation or topic that I addressed in the last episode. And so I think a lot of times we, we're quick to deem the devil as our greatest enemy, when in actuality, I believe our greatest enemy is ourselves. You know, we hear sermons where it says rebuke the devil, and we hear sermons about your haters, but I'm here to tell you, the devil, your haters, are not your greatest enemy, your greatest enemy is you. My greatest enemy is Gabriel. If we look, if we take a look at, even if we take a look at um, the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, again, which is a scripture I referenced in the last episode, where Jesus says, If any man will come after me, he doesn't say he must first rebuke the devil or his haters. He says, if any man will come after me, he must first deny himself. What we don't realize is a lot of times it is self that gives the devil access in our lives. And and I say a lot of times it's not all the times, but a lot of times it's self that gives the devil access in our lives by way of our flesh. It is because of our selfishness. Or our love for self that gives the enemy reign in our homes we wonder why we're depressed we wonder why we wrestle some of us wrestle with suicidal thoughts we wonder why we wrestle with impure thoughts and we're addicted to sin and we have strongholds set up in our in our homes and in our minds And one of the things that we have to realize, it is our flesh that often gives the enemy license to wreak havoc in our lives. And so I'm reminded of the book of James, chapter one, verse 13 through 15, where it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. And here's the reality. And I've said this before on previous episodes, we wouldn't be tempted if we did not have a desire to sin. Like temptation only reveals what's on the inside of you. Temptation reveals the desires of your flesh. And so I wouldn't be tempted to sin if there was not sin on the inside of me or sin within my members or my flesh, as the Bible says. And, and and one of the things that I always tell people, man, is so important. And I th- and this is something that the Lord really challenged me with. Um, as it relates to temptation, a lot of times we look at temptation and make the mistake of looking at temptation as the opportunity to fall. But the Lord really showed me, man, it's important that we not just look at temptation as an opportunity. To mess up or fall to our sinful desires but temptation is also an opportunity to honor God and do the right thing and so one of the things that I strive to do now and I'm not perfect none of us are perfect but I strive to to look at temptation as an opportunity I look at it as an area of where there's opportunity for growth. Hey, this is a. It, okay, I, I'm. I have these sinful desires. Uh, that that's something that. I, that's something that is clearly foreign to God's will. It's something that I'm being tempted by, or something that i I may be falling to. Hey, this is an area of 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 opportunity for me to grow. This is an area that I can. I I need to be actively striving to give to God, and so. Here's one of the things that I've learned. Temptation reveals what is in us. And the word of God is letting us know we have to first deal with the desires that we have on the inside of us. And a lot of times those desires are sinful desires that we have. These desires are sometimes anti-God and anti-Christ and that our desires can sometimes create strongholds in our lives when we yield to those sinful desires what I love about the Bible and I, I'm just reminded of Romans chapter 7 in Romans chapter 7 Apostle Paul is he is, is, is kind of it's is dope because you could just in, in Romans 7 you can just see the transparency in his writing and how he's discovering that he has these sinful desires on the inside of him and and he and he begins to describe it as like a war. And so I want to read Romans chapter seven, verse four starting at verse fourteen, and I'm gonna go from verse fourteen through verse twenty five And this is so powerful. Romans seven, Paul is writing to us and he and he says, starting at verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual but i am of the flesh sold under sin verse 15 for i do not understand my own actions you can hear the conflict now he says for i do not understand my own actions for i do not do what i want but i do the very thing that i hate have you ever purpose to do the right thing like man i'm gonna actually give this to god or i'm actually gonna do the right thing i'm not gonna sin and then you look up and you're actually doing the opposite he says for i do not understand my own actions for i do not do what i want like i want to do the right thing but i do the very thing that i hate verse 16 now if i do what i do not want to do i agree with the law that it is good. Verse 17. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So listen, he's discovering that, Hey man, I'm the problem. He's not starting with the devil. He's not talking about his haters, but he's discovering that the, the primary issue lies within himself. He says, for now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. There's nothing good in our flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, for I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And so he's like, man, when I purpose to do good, I keep doing evil. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. In other words, in your spirit. Verse 23. But I see in my members or my body another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive or a slave to the law of sin that dwells in my members or my body. Verse 24, he begins to just go in on himself. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He's like, man, listen, I want to do right. But I don't even have the ability to do the right that I want to do. And he says, man, who's going to deliver me from the desires of this body? There's nothing good in our flesh. Verse 25, he 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 wait, he snaps. It's, it's almost like the Holy Spirit slaps him out of it. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And i want to give you some homework because I don't I don't I don't have time to get into all of this, but I want you to read Romans 8. So that was Romans 7. That was a large portion of Romans 7. But I want you to read Romans 8 because Paul, he ends this chapter talking about how he serves God. He's with myself. I serve the law of God with my mind. So with my mind, I serve God. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Now, what makes Romans eight so powerful and so key to this topic is that in Romans eight, Paul begins to talk about how we as believers don't live in our flesh and that there is no condemnation to them who walk in the spirit. And not according to the desires of the flesh. And so, yes, as Christians, we have desires in our flesh that are anti-God. But because we have been captured by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, not just captured by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit now dwells on the inside of us and we are sealed. By that beautiful promise of the Holy Spirit, now he begins to work in us of his good pleasure And and he begins to work and convict us and and, and begins to work in us to produce fruit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness. And so as believers, we have to make sure that we are yielding and walking according to the spirit of God that is in us. As believers. And so. My greatest enemy isn't the devil it isn't my haters it's gabriel just replace your name your greatest enemy is you and so one of the things that i'm one of the things when i when i think about this topic one of the things that really grieves me and and can be frustrating is like we we are in a culture of christians who who no longer believe in denying themselves. It's like whatever you feel, just do it. Like there's no sanctification. There's no abstaining from things that are not pleasing to God. It's like a free for all. Just do what makes you feel happy. Do what makes you feel good. And it's like we don't ever stop to consider what the word of God says. And so On one hand, we're enjoying sin, while on the other hand, we're dreading the results of our sin. And the Bible lets us know. I believe it's uh, in Romans 6, 23. it lets us know that the wages of sin is death. But it's important that we understand that that death isn't just a physical death, but it is a spiritual death. And so before we actually die, sin begins to produce death in our lives by separating us from God and keeping us out of fellowship with God. And listen, you're not a Christian just because you profess to be a Christian. Have you truly been born again? Are you truly saved? Paul says, examine yourself to see if you are truly in the faith some of us can sin and just live in our flesh and we have no conviction we have no conviction about the decisions that we make that are contrary to God's Word and will and so we have to examine ourselves we have to get back to denying ourselves Jesus and I'm going back to Luke nine twenty-three. He says, man, if any man was going to come after me, he must first deny himself. And so the prerequisite to following Christ and being a follower, follower of Christ is first denying your own will. It's first denying your flesh and saying, you know what, God, forgive me for every sin. You know, I am a sinner. And I need you to save me. I, I trust you. I, I I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave, and I believe that you are the only one who can save me in my sin sickness. And so it starts there. And so we have to understand many of the strongholds and things that happen in our lives is a result of us giving in to these sinful desires. And so Paul talks about this war with our flesh and how this and, and this war really begins to open up the door for the enemy. The, 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 the enemy is only able to tempt us because our flesh is wicked because we have sin in us. And so I'm reminded of Second Corinthians, chapter 10, verse four through six, where it says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words the weapons of our warfare are not natural like we don't fight the enemy with um, guns and grenades and rocket launchers it says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience and cry of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, when your obedience is fulfilled. And so now this gets into more of the spiritual aspect and how when we begin to um, the the enemy, when he tempts us, he's always striving to appeal to our flesh. In Romans 7, we saw Paul say, there's nothing good within my flesh. There's nothing good within me that is my flesh. And so the enemy tempts our flesh. He tempts us. He, he studies us to see what we like. And what happens is when we begin to give into to temptation, he begins to set up strongholds in our lives. And those strongholds start by way of our thoughts and our imaginations. This is why verse five in second Corinthians chapter 10 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. We cannot be, we cannot just sit and entertain and meditate on things that are contrary to God's will for our life. This is why it's so important for us to watch who, who has our ear and has our attention. It's important for us to watch our, what type of friends we keep and the advice that we're listening to. It's so important for us to, to watch the type of podcasts we're listening to and radio interviews. We're listening to television shows. We're watching, this one thing I see Christians on social media, a lot of times we're more bold about celebrating secular culture and secular art. We're more bold about celebrating these things than we are the gospel. A lot of times and the art just is antichrist. It has agendas that is foreign to God's will. It's because these things have captivated and captured our imagination. And when our imagination is, is subject to the things to our flesh and sinful desires, the Bible says, as a man, think of it in his heart. So is he. And so a lot of times we we struggle with sin and temptation because that is what we're meditating on. That is who we're listening to. It's, it's in the music. That we're we're listening to. It's in the it's in the movies that we're watching, and so it it goes beyond it just being entertainment, and it and it's and it goes beyond just entertainment to it being indoctrination, and so now and and this is one of the reasons why I started this 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 show, and that's why the slogan is where the culture meets scripture. Because one of the biggest problems that we have as professing Christians, I believe, in this culture is we've allowed culture or the world's system or the the world's way of things to indoctrinate us. And so now we view we view everything through the lens of the world instead of viewing everything through the lens of God which is through his scripture, his holy scriptures. And so casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we have to have a readiness to revenge our disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Listen, man, I've made many mistakes. I fail. I've fallen so many times. And in this, I'm, 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 I'm encouraged and I realize and it's important for us to realize the goal is to surrender everything to God. We I've learned we don't hesitate to ask and beg God for things that we want to come to pass in our lives. Whether it's children, new job, new house, new car. And we ask God for things that we're not even willing to surrender to him once we get. We ask, we view God as a genie, it's like, God, I want to be the biggest rapper in the world. I want to sell millions of records. I want to be the, the biggest, one of the biggest singers. I want to travel the world. And once those things begin to happen, we forget God in the process because it was never about him to begin with. It was about the success and fame. And it's like, man, when we get even a little success, our message doesn't even glorify him. We're not even. And and, and so it proves that we were never really doing it for him in the first place. And so the goal is to surrender everything to God. Man, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Take everything, God. Take everything, God, and use me for your glory. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your heart. Let that be your desire.
1: Hey, don't you hate when you run into somebody you used to go to school with? You see him like in the mall or something. And the first thing is like, it's this awkward moment. Like, are we gonna speak? And then you walk up to him and you're trying to figure out like, is this the same you or like have you changed? And they trying to figure out the same thing But for whatever reason, they assume that you the same old you But really, you brand Some new. people think they cool with you Just cause they went to school with you That's when they meet that new you Like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Just standing there, we both like, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah j yeah. well, Music If you miss me, then you missed me Sober never tipsy Cause all I do is sip tea It's none of my business what you sipping But I'm sensing sensitivity Like I shouldn't say what I believe Even though I know what you believe Cause you wear it on your sleeve They want me to run and hide Never shine even though I got this light in me If the street lights coming on Send you home, that's just what it's gotta be as a Christian, I feel so minimized Like we could be cool if I did what you do But I don't cause I got my own standard And you don't respect it Some people think ain't ain't no they mine. cool with you Just cause they went to school with you That's when they meet that new you Like who are you? And I'm like who are you? Just standing there We both like who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah Some people think they cool with you Just cause they went to school with you That's when they meet that new EU. you like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Just standing there, we both like, who are you? Hey. They saw a little old timid boy. They said he's just a cute church boy. Standing over there quiet. But now I'm knocking down giants. Stronger in the face, but still not in your face. Hoping you see grace going at my pace. Still the same height, but don't believe the hype. For Jesus, I would die. I'm one of those types. Look at me now, I'm a dad carrying around two kids Ain't nothing changed, the gospel got me looking foolish I'll be a fool for him, as long as that's who I represent Now you should be at ease, I acknowledge this room had an elephant uh. Now you're thinking anomaly, yeah. this is real, nothing is stopping me no. But for real, this how it gotta be, we create the social norm, never conform so. Who am I, who are you, the next trend might be having you dressed in a tutu man. Having you stuck with no waivers, yeah. man, I'd rather be a trailblazer I told you who I am, now who are you I gave my life to Christ, now who are you I'm not your average type, I'm a good friend On this stream talk got me feeling brand new And I want it so bad Some people think they cool with you Just cause they went to school with you That's when they meet that new of you Like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Just standing there, we both like, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah Some people think they cool with you Just cause they went to school with you That's when they meet that new of you Like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Just standing there, we both like, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm arranging some things, trying to get arranged I got dreams bigger than today I believe God over money I believe money ain't a thing Whole different meaning when I say it See the thing is money doesn't change Who you are, it only magnifies Who are you, mad cause I changed? Well I'm mad that y'all stay the same Like watching water fall for the drain Seen it done a thousand times before Everybody falls for the fame That's why I'm chasing purpose in my verses Reading in my Bible every day Y'all picture Jesus walking on Water. I picture Jesus. Some people riding on, think on the way. They cool with you just cause they went to school with you. That's when they meet that new of you. Like who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Just standing there. We both like, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people think they cool with you just cause they went to school with you. That's when they meet that new of you. Like who are you? And I'm like, who are you? Just standing there. We both you? yeah 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 I know who I am.
0: So recently, my wife and I just started back working in our church our ministries children's church. You know, me and my wife we teach ages seven to twelve. you know, some Sundays we we, we partner some some Sundays. I'm just teaching and my wife is doing 10 million other things. My wife is so gifted. She can teach, she can organize, she can chaperone. Like she does so many things. She's an awesome servant and woman of God. But we recently started back teaching children's church. And the reason why I said started back because we had taken like a year to two years off from specifically working with the children. You know, we do other things in the ministry. But we had taken about a year to two years off just because of personal issues happening within our family and work related schedules changing and having a second child, you know. And so we took a break. Um, But recently, I want to say about three to four months ago, my wife was like, hey, Gabe, I think we should get back to serving in the children's ministry. And one thing I'll say about the children's ministry, you know, and and I know this isn't the case in everybody's church, but sometimes we can view the children's ministry as, hey, you know, let's just get them through. Let's just pass the time away while their parents are in the real church. It's almost like sometimes we don't view children's church as real church. Or as an opportunity to really evangelize and give the children the gospel and so i as i've been back serving and teaching the seven to 12 year old class i've really been it's been really making me think about how the lord saved me when i was young and i and i literally was telling the kids this yesterday i was like man don't make the mistake of thinking that god is for your parents or your grandparents. God can save and use you right now. And it is important for you to get a foundation and understand who God is now versus waiting later. And so as I've been serving with the young kids, I just really begin to think about how the Lord saved me when I was like in first grade and how as a young Christian, how I often struggled with living out my faith boldly and how I faced much peer pressure and, and felt the pressure of fitting in with those around me or actually standing up for Christ and being unashamed that I'm a believer. And so I faced a lot of these things as a young kid. And even as I got older, and went from elementary school to middle school to high school and in college. It was like a roller coaster ride. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you are a child of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and and be bold for Christ. And on the other hand, there was and is this desire and temptation to suppress what I believed and fit in with everyone else. And so as I began to really just reflect on my journey to where I am today, there were there were plenty of times where I stood up for the Lord and was unapologetic. And then there were were times, hey, where I folded, where I didn't want to be seen as the church boy because it wasn't cool. There were times when I was embarrassed that I was a virgin and actively keeping myself for marriage for the sake of Christ being pleased. And then there was times when I was bold and and, and I went in and out of seasons and times in my life where I was up and down. And so something I told my children's church class yesterday was that when we strive to fit in and and the reason why I'm sharing this is because this message isn't just for young kids, but it's, it's for us as believers, because one, one of the things that I realized as a 34 year old man is children aren't the only ones who face peer pressure, children and teenagers and young adults aren't the only ones who face peer pressure. This is something that some of us deal with, have dealt with all of our lives. You, I see adults, especially in the era of social media, I see adults acting like kids on social media, doing things for likes and shares, doing things to impress others. And so as a result, they don't even know who they are. We don't even know who we are because we're living for other people's approval. And so this is why I'm sharing this. So, so yesterday in in the children's church class yesterday, I, I told them when we strive to fit in with those around us or fold to peer pressure, it's usually for two reasons. It's either one, we don't know who we are or two, we know who we are, but we just get distracted and lose sight of it because we're looking at other people and we're looking we're looking to them for for approval. And so it's so important for us to understand that knowing who we are begins with knowing God and consistently being in fellowship with him because he is the one who created us. The best way to know a created or a, a creation or understand a creation is to understand the Creator we can't know who we are absent of God because God is the one who created us and not just created us but created us with purpose Psalms 139 verse 14 lets us know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made where it says fearfully that means to be uh, uh, made with reverence to revere or to be made in awe of and so God didn't just throw us together like some scraps he didn't just put you together like a hand-me-down or put you down here like a hand-me-down but God knew what he was doing when he created you and he created you to be beautiful not just exteriorly but inwardly, you are made in the image of God. We are made wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. So God created us with purpose. Colossians chapter one, verse 16 lets us know, and it's talking about Jesus for by him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Listen You were created to glorify Jesus We were created to glorify Jesus Jesus created us for his glory we were created to glorify him and so when we don't have a solid foundation or under, or understanding of who he is we will we will be confused and deceived about who we are and who we should be striving to please and so a lot of times I would strive to fit in with my friends and people who had no reverence for God. There were times where I loved the world. I I loved, I, 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 I cared more. There were times when I valued the opinions of others more than God's truth. You know, I was a class clown. I always wanted to make people laugh. I still love making people laugh today, but I wanted to I wanted to be popular so bad that I would go as far as disrespecting my teachers. And I wanted to be popular so bad that I was willing to sin and go against what I believed because I craved the attention. I, I, I craved the praise. And approval. Of those around me. And so there was a war going on within me. But as I begin to mature in the Lord in different seasons of my life, the scripture that says, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father in heaven really began to ring in my heart. It it, it would it would constantly convict me when I would be around friends and I would start cussing like them using foul language because I wanted to be cool and fit in with them. I would start talking nasty about nasty about girls like them to just fit in. And the Lord would be convicting my heart and, and and convicting my heart like you're not like them. I've learned that it's easy to, to conform to those you're called to reach. Because a lot of times as believers, we can feel like we're outnumbered. We, we, in this world, we are the minority. We're outnumbered. The system isn't conducive for, for, for Christian living. The world glorifies everything that's anti-Christ. And strives to change the meaning of what it means to be a Christian. And so a lot of times I found there were times, many times where I found myself on the side of conformity. I was just fitting in. I became a clone. There was nothing peculiar about me. There was nothing peculiar about me. But as I began to mature in the Lord in different seasons of my life, that scripture really began to penetrate my heart. And so... I thank God for his grace and mercy because some of us are in the place where I've been many times we love God but we're not where we should be because we're entertaining friends or we're trying to impress that cousin or or we don't want to lose friendships and so we would rather jeopardize our relationship with God than to jeopardize the relationship with our friends in school. It may be a cousin, it may be even a brother, you know, whatever whatever that relationship, it may be your boyfriend, it may be your girlfriend, And, and you know this person isn't good for your walk with the Lord. You know, there's been times where I had to pray to God, man, God, just separate me, separate me from ungodly influences I don't know how to say no to my flesh right now God put a yes in me that isn't there Lord give me the desire to want to serve you when I don't have the desire give me godly friends see listen I be- I still believe in the power of prayer I would pray God give me godly friends Help, help me to have friends that will challenge me and bring me closer to you. And, and sometimes you have to step away to get strong enough before you can influence those who once influenced you to rebel against the things of God. But listen, I have to share this story with you guys before this show ends. And I've really this is a story that I meditate on often. But I have to share this story with you guys because it's so important for us to know who we are in Christ. And God and God uses our boldness for his glory. Someone needs to see us stand up for the Lord, even when it's uncomfortable for ourselves. But this story is the story of two young men by the name of Kevin and John. Kevin and John, they grew up in the same neighborhood same friends, group of friends. They would hang out during the summertime and play basketball together, hang out at each other's houses. And Kevin was actually Kevin was actually a born again Christian. You know, he grew up in a Christian home. Both of his parents loved God. And he had actually given his heart to the Lord at a young age. And he was sincere about his walk with the Lord. While on the other hand, uh, John wasn't a Christian. He didn't grow up in a Christian home, and but they were friends. And so they would hang out, and John was like the cool guy. He was the popular kid. He had the freshest clothes and had the girls. And, you know, when they were just young kids, like around in, in middle school, middle school age, you know, they would hang out and John being the popular guy, he would make fun of Kevin in front of their friends and make fun of him being a Christian, make fun of him being a virgin, make fun of him keeping himself till marriage. And a lot of times it would make Kevin feel embarrassed and, and, and ashamed that he wasn't doing what his friends were doing because he was outnumbered he was like the outcast of the group he was the church boy he was the virgin and so a lot of times kevin struggled with being bold but one thing about kevin was though kevin was uncomfortable being made fun of kevin would share his faith with them he would he would preach the gospel to them and so as they got older and and parted ways and they hadn't seen each other for years. By this time, Kevin was in college and Kevin was leading a campus ministry. And one of the young ladies that had came to the Lord through Kevin's campus ministry was actually dating John. Her boyfriend was John. And so through her, They came back into contact after being out of contact for close to over 10 years, something like that. And she was testifying to her boyfriend, John, about what the Lord had done in her life and how he had saved her. And and as a result, it led to Kevin being able to minister to. John again But the thing about John, John was always the cool kid and he would come to Kevin in private and ask for prayer and talk about all his problems. But when he was in front of the popular kids, he would still make fun of Kevin. And so but Kevin was by this time was stronger in his faith and he had made an impression on John even when he was younger because he had stood for his faith. And so as they, as they went on and Kevin was out of college by this time, one of Kevin's, this is a crazy story. One of Kevin's loved ones ended up going to prison and his loved one ran into John in prison. John was in prison. John had went to prison for um, fraud and while he was in prison, he shared with Kevin's loved one, how, how um, Kevin had shared the gospel with him and how he should have listened to Kevin and how Kevin would take time out to pray with him and listen to him and, and just show him the love of Christ, even though he was making fun of Kevin and that made an impact on him. And it, it, it left a impression on him. And so I'm telling this story because we as Christians, we have to, we have to know who we are in the Lord. And, and 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 I could just tell on myself, and I've said it during this this show, there's been plenty of times where I've dropped the ball. There's been plenty of times where, where I've been ashamed of the gospel because the what the world was showing me was bigger at the time or I was distracted I was off my post but one, one of the things that I'm learning is that though the world will the people that will laugh at you for for your faith and and your confidence in the Lord sometimes those will be the very ones that come to you in private saying what must I do to be saved sometimes they'll be the very ones coming to you in private Pouring out their heart, talking about how depressed they are, talking about how unhappy they are, talking about their issues and and things of that nature. They'll be like Nicodemus coming to Jesus (laughs) in the middle of the night because he didn't want his crew to see that he was was really a, a silent fan of Jesus. He was a he was underground. He was a low key underground fan of Christ. And he was afraid of what his people would think if they knew that he was interested in Jesus doctrine. We have to be confident in what we believe and know that we have the answer. And that greater is he. That is in us. than he that is of this world. This world needs Christ. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't I don't have time for a popularity contest. Sometimes we we feel the need to try to prove so bad to the world that we're cool, just like them. And we get so caught up in trying to impress the world and show them that we're cool like them, that we end up conforming to them. And 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 then we look up and Christ is no longer in our in our life, lives or the example that we're setting, Christ is removed from our proclamations and our messages. But listen, I'm reminded of what Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter one, verse 16. He says, for I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe man we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels as the Bible says we have the solution we have to set our affections as Colossians 3 and 2 says set your affections on things above not things on this earth but listen you've been tuned in to the path of Revelation show and this is where the culture Meet Scripture.